Okay. Today, my guest is Professor Maria Teresa Flore. I'll keep my introduction short to maximize our time with her. In the next 30 minutes or so, we'll talk about Maria Teresa as a person, Professor Flore as a thought leader and an esteemed scholar, and finally as a mentor to many PhD students and junior faculty. For the sake of time, I'll skip many of your accomplishments and give you a very quick snapshot. Professor Maria Teresa uh, Flori is president-elect of the Academy of International Business and a fellow of the AIB. She has served as vice president of AIB, director of the Business Association of Latin American Studies, the Brazilian Association for Graduate Studies and Research and Management. She also organized the 2010 AIB annual conference in Rio. She has served as a dean, the director of a Brazilian think tank, the director of a business college, research fellow at Cambridge, University of Sussex, Institute for Development Economics in Japan, and a visiting professor at ASEC in France. She sits on the boards of academic and professional associations such as the EA Madrid, uh, Lisbon uh, Business School, the Center for China Latin America Management Studies in Beijing, and the Columbia University's Global Center on Latin America. She has published over 25 books and 100 articles in international strategy, international human resources management, emerging markets, multinationals, and comparative studies. Thank you, Maria Teresa, for joining us. Thank you, you guys. First question, what did you want to become when you were a child? I wanted to be a teacher. You know, I'm the older one of five uh, children. And I started my early career teaching my sisters. And uh, I was not very successful at that time. But, uh, you know, I really wanted to be a teacher. Where, where did you grow up? I grew up in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, yeah, I was born, raised, and I'm still living in Brazil, uh, although I enjoy living abroad very much. And can you remember the first moment of awareness between domestic versus international? Yes, you know, my, my father, he was a very successful businessman, a professor at the university as well, you know, a public man. He was the second president of the central bank in Brazil. And he was invited as a scholar to go to Harvard. And so my mother said, you know, we are all going to Harvard, to, to the U.S., and we are, will be moving to the U.S. But I have just started my undergraduate studies at University of Sao Paulo, and I was dating my husband, Afonso, and I didn't want to go to the U.S. <laughs> so I think it was the best investment I ever did in my life, uh, staying in Brazil at that time. But... I traveled to the US and spent three months there and I really loved, you know, it opened my mind. I attended classes at Harvard, uh, web, uh, seminars, and I really enjoyed it. So I, I decided that I wanted to live abroad. And after Alfonso finished his engineering course, we got married. And then we, he decided to, to come back to the university to, 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 to do his master and PhD, and we went to Stanford. And we really enjoyed living in the US, in California, in the late 70s. 
And uh, after coming back to Brazil, uh, we, uh, both of us were really excited about having an international career as well as living in Brazil. So I think uh, in the early stages of my life, I enjoyed living abroad. How did you decide academia and IB as a particular field? In you know, uh, as I mentioned to you before, I, I really like to be a, a teacher. So uh, I started my career at the University uh, of Sao Paulo, and I have, uh, you know, I had a very successful career there, uh, uh, working as a professor, as a researcher, uh, um, and an administrative career as well. But um, we had the opportunity to live abroad uh, several times. First in the UK at Sussex University, doing comparative studies between Brazil and other emerging market countries. And there afterwards in the Cambridge University for the last uh, two decades, we have been visiting scholars in Cambridge. In France, I had the opportunity to teach and to do research. Uh, we lived in Japan, we lived in Korea. So uh, early in my career, we, I, I decided to do comparative studies between uh, Brazil, industries, uh, companies around the world. And uh, I became very much excited with IB and the topics that IB brought to us. And uh, I joined AIB community uh, attending conference as all the young scholars and midterm scholars. And uh, I became very much involved with this association. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a, a very strong community of uh, scholars and researchers. And so I really like sure. to be there. Something that is not on your CV, but people might find interesting about you. Mm, I'm a family woman. <laughs> you know, uh, I uh, we have three children, three boys, uh, four grandchildren, uh, three girls, luckily, uh, and one boy. And uh, I enjoy taking care of my family, cooking for them, having all, all of them together. So I'm, <laughs> and being a granny is a, the best <laughs> I've ever had. <laughs> it's wonderful. <laughs> uh, if you could do it all over again, uh, what would be the second best career path for you? Um, I think that I will, I would be a writer. I enjoy <laughs> writing very much. Uh, I, I, I wrote to, to, to newspaper and I wrote uh, uh, small uh, pieces, uh, articles, and I enjoy it very much. Unfortunately, no. Is that issues. short stories or these short are stories? Short, yeah, short okay. stories, yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, you guys, you don't have time to do all the things that you would like and you have to drop uh, 
but uh, when I retire, I intend to, you know, to start again writing and contributing to different uh, outlets. Thank you. Uh, regrets, any regrets in life? No, <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> okay. Um, what are you most proud of? Yes, uh, I have a regret, you know. Okay, what is it? I, I, I would like to be more disciplined uh, when learning uh, music. I, I, I learn piano, I learn how to play guitar, but you know, I drop it. And now I really, and I enjoy music very much. And now I sing in a choir during the weekends and I always regret that I did not study music enough, but uh, hopefully I'll have time. <laughs> I mean, this thing came up a couple of times before uh, among our uh, AIB fellows. Uh, some of them did start piano. The thing is, it takes at least 45 minutes of practice a day. I mean, it's not just learning the piano, uh, the, the scales. It is 45 minutes of practice religiously every day, which is a huge commitment. I mean, th that is not a small thing. Yes, uh, you are absolutely right. <laughs> <laughs> they say finger memory, uh, muscle yeah. memory, finger memory. Uh, what are you most proud of? Um, I think my family. And uh, no, I think the, my family, I'm very proud of them. But, uh, you know, um, in my generation, uh, being a woman in a man's world was very difficult. You have to swallow comments, uh, jokes, prejudice, trying to cope with your professional life and with your family. And uh, my mother, my husband, they helped me a lot, but it was difficult. And I'm very proud of the new generations. I think that they are, uh, you know, um, looking at all uh, the career path, all the achievements then they can reach. Uh, and they have a different mindset regarding, regarding gender, race, diversity. So I'm really proud, you know, I think that they are in a will face a better world with them than, my, than I faced. Thank you. Uh, last question, what are you most passionate about? I think that my family, <laughs> <Come> <laughs> oh, you know, okay. I'm passionate. <laughs> if I start to talk about my children and grandchildren, I will not stop you guys. <laughs> did, did they choose academia, your children? Are they only, only the oldest one. And he's a very successful, uh, you know, he, he, he works at the University of Sao Paulo. And hmm. Uh, he's very successful with all the start startups and uh, entrepreneurship uh, with uh, people from engineering school, from the business school, design, uh, from the health. So uh, he's very successful. But the other two, no, they 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 all work uh, as a consultant, as a, in big companies, and so on. 
Did you try to have any influence on them, or did you just let them be uh, and choose their own path when they were growing? They up? choose their own path. Yeah. Well, the, the the lesson that I learned in my life is that uh, they are that you know each one of them they are their own project and they have their own project. <laughs> and as a mother, you can support them, not <laughs> influence very much. And we are very close. <laughs> okay, beautiful. Thank you. Now uh, I'm going to switch gears to, towards research. Uh, now you mentioned you started with comparative studies early on, but say you're standing in a bar and pub, uh, and people are curious about you. How do you explain uh, your accomplishments and what you do, importance of your research, to people who don't read chips? Hmm. I think that I I will mention that I study firms, the local firms, like for example the firms that supply the beer in the pub, uh, the, the foreigner, uh, the multinational firms that supply the wine. For example, if I go to a British pub, uh, I can mention the Jacob Creek. It was an Australian wine, very popular in British pubs, and mentioned that they yo they are part of a, a, a global value chain, a GBC, and they so they can deliver the wine. Sometimes it's a cheap wine. Sometimes it's a very expensive one. But uh, you know, I, I try to 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 look at those dimensions as well as if it is a sustainable uh, wine. Uh, and it, it try to give them examples like this. In a pub, you have to adapt your own talk to the interests of the audience. Sure. Uh, things that are omitted in IB research, overlooked, understudied, underdeveloped. I think, as I am a sociologist by training, you know, I think that the sociopolitical variables should be more emphasized. Um, uh, we have a new journal, uh, you know, not a new journal, a six year journal, JIBP in AIB uh, um, ecosystem. And uh, they are trying to fill in to fill this gap. But I think that those variables are missing and uh, now they have been tackled uh, for young Jeff with uh, different perspectives, but I think it still has to be studied in more deeply. Thank you. You mentioned sustainability. Uh, this is uh, not what you're talking about here though. You're talking about macro variables like political science international relations in the uh, question, right? This is what you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, about creativity in scholarship, uh, what is it for you and how does it come to you? How, how did you move from, for instance, uh, comparative studies to international nature, to international strategy? Uh, how did you make these uh, connections in your career? A very good question. You know, uh, I think that some themes uh, you are always uh, looking from different perspectives and uh, this is creativity and not only to look at uh, the, the, the uh, 
similar questions that everybody is asking for. Uh, for example, uh, I studied uh, culture, organizational culture, countries culture uh, many times in my life. Now, when I look at the, this new phenomena of digital economy, digital transformation, culture and cultural crafting emerges as a, a really important phenomenon. And it's the most difficult thing for a firm to implement is to change the mindset and to implement a, a digital culture uh, in a firm. So I think that if you look at uh, some traditional classical themes in our research with new lenses, new approaches, and ask new questions, you know, you go ahead and you can contribute both to theory and to practice. But of course, it's difficult. If you think about it, you mentioned you were trained as a sociologist. You started with a macro perspective in sociology, and then uh, you have a great context, Brazil, uh, huge, uh, it's like a mine, huge mine. Once you dig, you can stop. There's a lot of things coming up. Yeah. Uh, but then you can easily make these, not easily, but you can make these connections because uh, the, the context you're operating in is very rich. Uh, but the current PhD students are very focused in uh, one paper, right? They just know their papers, their job market papers, and they, they don't really read uh, wide and deep, uh, basically. Yeah. So uh, if you can give them uh, some idea about what's going to be the next uh, big wave in IB in the next five to 10 years, uh, at least to give a direction these are the yeah. important topics in IB. I think that, you know, the United Nations SDG, Sustainable Development Goals, I think that they will be uh, studied uh, in the next years, as well as the big challenges that uh, provoked by the terrible events like uh, the Ukraine war um, and all the consequences in the globalization process, in GVCs. Um, we have been talking about, you know, regionalization and uh, what will be the role of uh, the multinationals in the next future. So I think that those topics will still be very much in the debate uh, for the next years. Thank you. So when you work, do you write every day? Uh, or do you just wait for some ideas to come and then in one dash, do, do you complete a paper or do you write every day 800 words? What, what do you do? What's your style? Uh, yeah. I think that I, I do a little bit of both, but sometimes, you know, reading and you, uh, some insights comes and you say, this is the next talk and I'm going to, to study it. And I, and I feel that, uh, and I think that you have to be passionate about it. Otherwise, uh, because you have to be resilient 
uh, when doing your research. I think it's one of the best uh, skills <laughs> is to be resilient. And uh, so if you don't like, if you don't become involved with the theme that you are studying, uh, with the questions that you are raising, we're discussing it with people from different backgrounds. You know, you drop it. Um, you you really have to be to to enjoy yourself doing your research, and uh, this is what I learned, you know, from uh, my own experience. Uh, since the nineteen seventies, uh, early eighties, uh, you have seen a. Uh, you have seen different trends in IB uh, research, mm -hmm. IB practice, and things that are discussed in conferences. What's the evolution like in your perspective? What, how, how did it uh, evolve to what, where we are here uh, at the moment? Uh, can you talk about the evolution of IB scholarship? Yes, I think that we can talk about it. And when we thought, uh, when I teach IB, I try to do it, you know, uh, asking the same questions that John Dunning asked uh, Heimer and then uh, John Dunning and uh, and then the Uppsala uh, school, uh, Johansen Ball, and then uh, all people that came, you know, Peter Buckley and internalization process. And uh, so you can look at the history of IB in a kind of evolutionary way. But uh, and the, I think that the, one of the most promising thing is to integrate different disciplines. So when we can integrate, for example, uh, not only people from strategy, but from management, from marketing, from finance, from um, supply chain and international operation. Um, the, your own research becomes much more rich and with new insights, new perspectives. So um, where, uh, it's very interesting to teach IB, that's why I, I enjoy teaching, uh, and to look at this, um, Evolution, you know, you guys. Once I had the opportunity to to go to John Dunning, I we were living in Cambridge, and Christine and John invited us to 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 have lunch with them in his in his house in Reading, and uh, he had a sofa in his office with six piles. and they were all researches and new studies that he was doing at the same time with uh, new themes, old themes, uh, rethinking uh, topics. And I was amazed because, you know, John was, uh, I don't remember if he was 80 years old, but he was not a young scholar anymore. <laughs> and he was so excited with all the projects and his office was perfect. Everything <laughs> organized. <laughs> I uh, like very much. He came to Brazil. Oh, did, did he? Yeah, I had the opportunity to invite him, 
And then when we, we hosted AIB 2010 in Rio, all the big names came. I was so, you know, uh, proud and excited with that conference. In all these places that you've been through, you taught, you, you studied, uh, you lived, uh, which place was the most fun to teach IB? Um, <laughs> good question. I think it, it was really good to teach in in Cambridge, and I had the opportunity to 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 work with uh, people from the Judge Business School and Institute for Manufacturing. But I really enjoyed teaching in Paris. You know. Uh, and I'm uh, uh, French is my second was my second language. <laughs> now English is my second language. But I really enjoyed uh, uh, teaching IB in France. Actually, I have to to do it again in January because I, I I'm always invited <laughs> to. Perfect. Uh, when you were going through the process, the PhD program, uh, the training yourself, what was the best advice you received from your advisor? What would be my... What was the best advice you received from your advisor when you were uh, going through the program? Be resilient. <laughs> you will have to rewrite your PhD thesis a couple of times. You have to have very good methodological background and you have to, 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 to rewrite your thesis, uh, rewrite your papers and be resilient. And how, I think how, how, but how, how did you learn to, doing research is a bit different than writing. I mean, the whole point of communication, writing it better, right? rewriting a thousand times, how did you learn? Uh, was, did someone teach you how to rewrite? Did someone uh, show you the uh, tricks? What, how did you perfect it? Uh, I really don't know. It's a good question, but I think that I learned uh, by myself because when I was studying, we did not have PGWs and workshops and training how to write your, your, your paper, how to write your thesis. And we did not have, you know, all the, the, the courses in methodology, in qualitative methods and quantitative methods that our students have today. Mm -hmm. you know, they have a full range of courses that we didn't have on my time. So we have uh, to learn by doing, and it was not easy. Uh, now I think that they, the, the students and the young scholars, they have several opportunities to evolve in their process mm -hmm. and they have to, to, to use it and they have to, to, to be aware uh, that they want to improve in their career, they have to do it. There's a senior people I worked with and co-authored with, like Jay Barney, Odette Shankar. Uh, these people have a uh, very unique style of writing. They actually are great writers. They, they are craftsmen. They, they are crafting their papers so, so perfect. And I, I'm really curious how to speed up the learning process uh, for, for uh, rewriting less, but they can actually recite the introduction of their papers 
uh, from yeah. memory. So th this is something uh, they have written so many times they can uh, yeah. they, they memorized it. Yeah. So uh, in yeah, your opinion, if I may, uh, you guys, for example, Jay Barney, he has a wonderful presentation about how to write an introduction. I'm always repeating this for my students. <laughs> Please look at. <laughs> Paragraph, second paragraph. You have to learn. <laughs> See, uh, yeah, but how did they come up with with it? But even yeah. earlier, uh, I'm reading Heimer, and he has a very clear writing. Quite not the three paragraph style, but uh, quite different. Dunning, equally impressive, equally communicative. Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, the top three mistakes that you see. Uh, that junior faculty or PhD students make in the field that you say, uh, you know, you should not do that? What are the top three mistakes? I think that uh, first, uh, they, they try to, you, you know, to imitate, you know, all uh, and, and try to, to figure out a very small problem and not to think big in that phenomenon. Uh, they try to 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 do a, you know write literature reviews with all the the literature about that topic and not go straight to the 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 the, the relevance and what are the main issues and they are not sure about their contribution. I think that in the abstract you have to think very clearly. What is your research question? Uh, how are you going to tackle this research question? Uh, what is important in your literature review? Uh, what will be your contribution? You know, you have to have those questions very clear in your mind. And mm -hmm. try to, to, to look at the phenomena with a new uh, perspective. It's not easy. And as much as you can, try to be interdisciplinary and look at other uh, approaches, you know, to that phenomenon. But it's not easy. You have to, as we mentioned before, you have to be resilient you know, to, to receive um, rejections, to receive critics, receive everything. Otherwise you are not going to, to, to you, you will drop <laughs> the researcher's career. Do you still get rejections yourself? Sorry? Do you get rejections yourself? Oh my God. <laughs> many, many times. And really? I I have been always learning. <laughs> how, how do you deal with it? <laughs> so, so let's say uh, you received a rejection from some journal uh, that you spent two years on this paper on. Uh, so how do you deal with it? What's the process for you? Um, I, first of all, I try to read and reread, you know, all the critics, all the issues that were raised. Uh, and uh, I said, okay, sleep for a while, uh, and then we will tackle this paper again and see what is its potentiality. 
And if it's not, you know, I thought it would be a wonderful paper, but it's not. So I can do it two ways. The first one is uh, go back, for example, to a conference presented again with a new issues, new perspectives, or uh, look at the paper uh, and try to use the critics to improve it and then go to another journal and think about what to do with that paper. It's not easy. That's why we are, we are always talking about resilience in our career. <laughs> and even, you know, uh, once I was in, um, in a PGW with Jonathan Dorr, and Jonathan mentioned something that I think it's very um, interesting. He said, I am uh, the son of an English literature professor. And I respect writing very much. So I send my papers to, you know, proof writing in English. And I said, if Jonathan do this, everybody has to do it, you know. Uh, you have to learn all the, the crafts of writing a good paper. For writing, it's not easy. Yeah. Uh... Maria Teresa, uh, last question. What's the question that I should have asked you but haven't? Uh, I think that, you know, uh, I really enjoy AIB and I really uh, hope, uh, as I mentioned before, uh, I said to you that uh, I hosted AIB 2010 in Brazil, in Rio. Then I organized uh, 2019 in Copenhagen, and now we'll have 2023 in Warsaw. And uh, I think that a question that should be asked is why IB is unique. And uh, I was thinking about this, and uh, Louis Dow, Sri, and others, Ferg and I, we wrote a, a, an article about and mentioned uh, the three C's context, connection, and complexity. And I think that IB is unique because you, you always have to think about context. Uh, you are uh, looking at the phenomenon, but it is a phenomenon that uh, was born in an emerging market um, form, or was it in a developed world? Uh, what are the connections between that phenomena and other issues around and complexity. So I think uh, that we have a unique field of research and we have very good uh, communities to share our thoughts, to share our doubts and to share, you know, our uh, future, our next questions, our, even our career. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I enjoyed this conversation. I'm sure the audience will agree with me. Thank you, Maria Teresa. Thank you, guys.